0: Welcome, everyone, and thank you for joining us. This week is Parsha's Kitzetzeh. Okay, so Parsha's Kitzetzeh is very unique. There is a uh, shul that I often go to that has a board outside, uh, a digital board outside of the main sanctuary, and it says different facts about the Parsha. And I think that this week's Parsha tops the top, the most mitzvos in the Torah, I think, 74, I think. Not, I think it's 74. Um, mitzvot repeated or said in this week's parsha, so it gets first place in the mitzvot category. So uh, with that, let's try to scratch the surface on a few of the mitzvot, get a better understanding, and hopefully we'll have what to to work on and, and, and uh, strengthen ourselves in this month of Elul before Rosh Hashanah. And let's start with in middle, uh, not in the middle, towards the beginning of the parsha. Talks about a very, very interesting um, case. It, uh, you know, Ish Ben You have a son, a wayward son, a, a son who is acting in an inappropriate way already when he's young. The Gemara says that it can't be that it's talking about a little boy. It must be a boy who, within his first few months of his bar mitzvah, he's already older, and he doesn't listen to his parents. Um, so it goes on to say that basically he gets the death penalty. Um, very interesting that someone who, he didn't do anything wrong, Chazal Tamara in Sanhedrin, explain it's not talking about someone who actually did something wrong. It's talking about the potential for the wrong that he could do. It goes through very many different things that he has to do to get the prerequisite of being able to fall into this category of sorimura. It's not just talking about, you know, someone who just misbehaves. It's talking about a lot of things that he must do. I'm not going to go into that here. We're going to, I'm going to get into a little bit something else the Gemara says. The Gemara says, La Hoya According to one opinion, this is never going to happen. Never happened. There's too many factors for Ben Sorimura to exist. therefore, the Gemara explains that there is are lessons that we can learn from here to um, for our everyday life. The Torah is teaching us some lessons. And um, Mepharshim explain a very powerful thing. If you look through the words of the Torah a few times, if you start with Pasach Yud Ches and Perich Hav it says, bikol avivu bikol One time. And then it says, Ve'amru, and they say, which means mother and father together, to the zikneiro, they say to the... So again, we see the mother and father is together. he doesn't listen to our voice. Our voice is together. And then, Be'nenu um, our son, we're together as a group. It sounds like the mother and father in this case, in order to be able to claim, hey... It's not sort of our fault. You know, we're trying our best. It has to be that they are on the same page. It has to be that the mother and father are able to claim that we're together. We're saying and Gomorrah goes on to say that if the mother and father are not together, and the mother and father are not on the same page, then that's it. Then it falls apart. There's the then sorrow more doesn't happen. It needs to be that the parents are on the same page. And this is teaching us a tremendous lesson for parenting. I think for friendship, for other things also, but for parenting mainly, um, that you need to be on the same page. Children need to see consistency. If they um, see parents not necessarily agreeing with each other, um, you will obviously, you know, to a man and a woman together in a marriage, there's there's not going to be, they agree on everything. But when you appear to your children, you need to have to be on the same page. Children need to see consistency, they need to see that you agree with each other, that there's no riv, there's no fights, and therefore their children will be able to follow you to the fullest with that in that regards. Now, the question is though, this is super difficult. How are we supposed to always be on the same page? How do we get there? You no know, parenting is, is not easy. Baruch Hashem, I have the opportunity to be a parent. But, but how, how do we do it? You know, I, sometimes I find myself like a little bit confused. Like, how do I get to this ability? My wife and I are always on the same page. Um, obviously, we have to work on ourselves, but can we find something maybe in the Torah to help us? You know, figure out how to get there. So, if you let's go back to Parshas Bereishis or forward, whichever way you want to go, to Parshas Bereishis, and Bereishis is I often, um, you know, comes Simcha Torah, and we read Parshas Bereishis. And we get up to this part in Perik Bey's pasuk um, Chav Gimel, and I always have a question on this pasuk. And when I was researching my shir this week, I thought I found a. I think I found a good answer that I that fits with what you know makes sense to me. So let's do. What's the what's going on? It says Haadam after Hashem made Chava made woman from the rib of the man. And uh, now, I'll, it says Adam goes. Um, you have to go and 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 be together with your wife. Al Cain says Adam. A man should leave or forsake Yazov to go away. His mother and father. And he has to cling to his wife. Become together as one. Now different commentators explain this, but it seems like the Sephorno is taking a different approach. What exactly is going on over here? Okay, Yazov What? It sounds like, uh, according to him, Adam is saying some sort of nevuah because he didn't have a father and mother, right? And he doesn't have children. He's talking to, so he's he's giving a lesson, you know, for him for for, for mankind. Yazov Ishes Aviv. Avesimo bi ishto. Should cling to his wife. What does that mean? What's going on over here? Why not to say? I th- I think. Okay, dalak You should cling to your wife. Why does that to say? Go away from your father and mother. Well, why? Um, it sounds like almost like you know, leave your parents. Don't go see them ever again. No, that's not what it's saying. Um, if my mother's listening, that's not what it's saying. I promise, <laughs> I'm not leaving you. However, what well, what does this mean? You know, you shouldn't call your parents anymore? No, that's no, obviously not the Torah is telling us. Sephora seems to be saying, the way I understand this, Siforna, that in order for a couple to really reach the highest level of their marriage, they need to be able to be domazes, they need to be able to be on the same page. And if there's outside influences, taking a big part, now obviously a small part is fine, but a tremendous part in all the decisions of their marriage then that can't be the couple has to be on it together doesn't mean you can't ask for advice doesn't mean they can't that you, you can't accept unsolicited advice <laughs> but it means though that the couple needs to be on the same page it can't be other people running the the show and I think that it continues from what we just said before Mother and father, according to our parsha this week, need to be together, need to be on the same page, but it needs to start from the beginning of marriage. You need to start, and it needs to start in the marriage, not just in parenting. The marriage has to be together. Um, The question is, though, you know, how do we get there? Well, again, the same question. Great. So I just answered my question, and then we're left with another question. I said, how, How does parenting get there? The answer is the marriage has to be like that. Okay, great how do i get there now i'm no marriage therapist and i am no you um, know special I, I don't specialize in marriage advice but i think i am going to share something with you that i think makes sense to me um, there's a story that is told over many times i heard it in different forms but the basis of the story apparently is true a man comes into his rabbi and says rabbi i want a divorce you know, he newly married a few a few months The rabbi goes, what, 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 what? what?" Okay. Take a deep breath. What's going on? The guy says, well, you know, it's so, but my wife is so sad. She's down, she's not like, you know, she's not exciting. Um, I can't, I can't deal with it. It's too dull for me. I I need, uh, you know, it's depressing. I, I need, I need a divorce. So the rabbi says, listen, I don't like to advocate divorce right away. I like to you know, see if I could have a couple work out. No, no, can't work it out. I can't be in this. So oh, take a deep breath. I have, a, I have a segula for you. You know, everyone likes a good segula. I have a segula for you. A segula, uh, Rabbi. So what's a segula? Rabbi says to him, you know, if you know when someone is sick, Chas Shalom, we go and we add a name. Why? Because you have a different mazel, a different um, luck. There's, a, there's a different becomes almost like a different person. So you know what we're going to do? We'll add a name to your wife. This way it will change your mazel. <laughs> the guy says, oh, okay. The rabbi says, but you know, I, I know you're going to forget. Because, you know, if you let, let's say for this story, the the, the lady's name was uh, Chava. I know you're going to forget because you've been calling her Chava. So you can't just change the name. So how about this? Add a name. Let's let's call her Chana Rivka. Okay? Or Chava Rivka. Sorry, I said Chava. Chava Rivka from now on. That's what you're going to call her. But how are you going to remember? So, you know Every single morning, when you wake up and you see her, you don't want to forget it right away what her name is, because if you go back calling her old name, it's not going to work. The, the, the segula is not going to take effect. And I want you to go, and every morning when you wake up, I want you to say, Good morning, Chavarivka. And then, when you go in the afternoon, you should give her a call from your phone and say, Good afternoon. Just say, hello, how are you doing? And make sure you say her name. You know, Chavarivka, so you don't forget. And at nighttime, when you walk into the house after work, I want you to look at her and say, Good evening, or good, hello, again, hello, Chavarivka. Make sure you do three times a day. Make sure you add a smile in it, because it will help you remember because you're happy. And, and continue doing it. So the man goes home and he does as the rabbi says. You know, he 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 adds his wife. You know, her name was Chava, so he adds the name Chava Rivka, and he's going to continue calling her that every single for for a week. After a week, he comes back to the rabbi. and goes, Rabbi, the segula worked. Yeah, changing her name worked. She's so happy. She's so friendly to me. Wow, 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 wow! I can't believe it worked. So that's where the story ends. But uh, I think we get the point. What was changing in the marriage had nothing to do with the changing of a name. It had to do with the the friendliness. It had to do with you know being respectful and opening a line of communication. You know, even smiling at your spouse. You know, um, I come home after a very long day. You know, it's hard to smile. It's hard to be you know nice. I just want to come home and put my feet up, and then a the baby gets, you know, my, my I walk in, and my, my baby crawls directly to me. Uh, the rest of the kids have, you know, they're busy playing, but uh, the baby, you know, he comes to me, he doesn't know what toys are yet, you know. So he thinks I'm exciting, so he comes to me. Um And, you know, I just want to, you know, turn to my mom and say, you take him. <laughs> I'm tired, but it's hard, it's hard. Uh, my Rebbe actually gave me an interesting advice. Um, he said, you know, this is back when I was in Kolel, and I was learning, and the guy said, you know, I've been sitting since, you know, the morning, 7 o'clock, it's shakrat, and I come home at 7.30, it's 12 hours. You know, even if I have a break in the afternoon, I'm, I'm exhausted. So the rabbi said, you know, here, this is what you do. End seder a few minutes early, and end your learning period. Go downstairs to the coffee room, get yourself a drink and a danish. Take a deep breath, and then go home. So he explained, because you need to go home with a straight head. You need to go home with friendliness, with respect. And I think that advice is something i pass on. I think this is the answer. If we have respect, obviously it's not the cure-all for everything. Don't get me wrong. I don't want to get complaints. Say, Rabbi Teich, when you told me, oh, I have to be nice and it's going to solve all problems. No, no, no. I'm not saying that. But I am saying it's a start. If we're respectful and we're nice and we're trying to be, we're we're trying to be, you know, you know dating is all exciting you know by marriage the first year is all exciting as the marriage goes on we have to make sure to keep it to keep it friendly to keep it an exciting place to be and a simple thing as good morning with a smile could change could really work um I think that's what the Torah is telling. Us. We need to be on the same page. Open communication is obviously very important, but we got to start with the small things. And the small things, I think, is just making um, a marriage a fun place for both. You know, um, friendly. You know, I I have a, a employee, uh, not employee, um, a coworker that I work with. Every single time this coworker sees me, he gives me a tremendous good morning. You know, I don't talk to him that much. But he gives me this tremendous smile and good morning. I feel, you know, I like him. <laughs> I like going to work because I walk by his classroom. He comes out and gives me this big smile and a good morning. So I want to be next to this person. I want to be part of, you know. Oftentimes in marriage, we get home and we're tired and we're in we're in vulnerable situations and we we you know, we're not as respectful and nice. And I think that's step one. Okay, let's continue on to, on to to the parsha. Let's continue with back to parsha's kitzeze. And this is extremely interesting. When I saw this, I'm like, oh, I have to share this with the share. It says in uh, a uh, of Gimel, Pasuk Dalet, it says, uh, the, the, the nations of Amon and Moav they cannot come to Kahashem. they cannot convert into the nation of Hashem. All the other Goyim, they want to come, it depends on yeah, most of them, they can come. Amon and Moav, no, 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 they cannot convert. Gamdar, Asiri, even the 10th generation. Lo um, yavo. Why? So the next passage explains. Al-divar asher lo kidmu eschem belechem. They did not come. This is, I think, talking about Amon, um, right? They do not come. Amon, yes. They did not come out to, to, to greet you. As you we were leaving Mitzrayim, they didn't come. The Ramon was right there. They had the opportunity to come and to greet you as you were being led out of servitude. And they didn't come. So, And then it says, And then So who? who, who um, you know, we know the story of Bilam. He was hired by Moab and Midian to go and curse the Jews. And we see that Hashem is saying, you know, Moab tried to curse you they hired someone to go actively hurt you and therefore you can't let them in but what in the world Torah writes them in the same passage which means they're equal so let's put it on the board what did this guy do what does this guy do so what did Moab do Moab tried to destroy you they hired a necromancer or whatever Billam was he had some sort of Kedusha on him or uh, some Hashem gave him some powers and he went and he tried to curse the Jews obviously we know the aftermath of that didn't work He ended up giving them brachot, and that was that. But they hired Moab. Moab went and actively sought to destroy you. What did Amun do? All Amun did was just not be nice to you. Imagine a student coming over and he said, Rabbi, I have two complaints. One, two boys. You know, Shimon, he punched me in the head. And Levi, he didn't come and say hello to me this morning. Uh, you know, Reuven <laughs> two different things, you know <laughs> not equal at all um, what in the world um, so yeah, what what is the Torah doing and I saw an amazing, amazing answer from Moshe Feinstein Zatzal you know, Moshe Feinstein was known for his chuvot, his Halacha but he has an amazing sefer Darash Moshe it's filled with gems and here's one of them, he says as follows he says, you're right, they're not equal They're not. You can't put them as equal. So why can't they both, why can't Amun join you know, do Kirov? I mean, do Megara become Gaira? Even the 10th generation, why why not? So he says, because the Midos, the character trait, is flawed. There's something wrong. Rotten at the core. You're right, they didn't do anything, but there's something there. And that Midah of being not a nice person is not something I want to join to the Jewish people that are supposed to be imbued with chasad and are supposed to be imbued with kindness to follow in the ways of Kadosh Baruch Hu follow the ways of God and that can't join that, that those Midos can't join you're right they didn't they didn't actually go and hire Bilam that was what Moab did but the equality of having rotten midos of not taking the initiative of going to help someone who is downtrodden and hurt now that's not the Midot of, of a Yid, that's not the Midot of a Jew where Abraham Avinu is you know, um, 8 o'clock where Abraham Avinu's kids, children and therefore we have to act as if we're that way, we have to have that and if you have someone who comes from stock from a group of people who are not without Midot then that's not something that can join Klal Yisrael um, it's interesting, though. That how do we protect ourselves? It's a question. You know, this sounds like a really bad thing. How do we protect ourselves from getting into this mode where, that we're missing this media of being? You know, how, how do we counteract? You know, to make sure that we don't fall fall to this trap of being blasé about somebody else's situation of not coming to the rescue. And if you look at the end of this week's parsha, towards all the way, all the way at the end. We see the story about Amalek. Amalek. Um and the story with Amalek who came and, and attacked, for those who don't know the story, who came and attacked the Jews as they were leaving Mitzrayim. The Torah says, When you were very tired, the if the Um and yeah, they were attacked you. And Timcha Zekh Amalek, you should go and attack them. Okay, but the Torah goes on, but what what is um the chaz, chasan yeshaya we mentioned this if, we mentioned the sefer a few uh, weeks ago um, it's actually my father's I think great great uncle and he gave me the sefer and from time to time I look and I found these beautiful beautiful pieces he says very interestingly as follows So he's learning this zachar um, not just only halacha uh, you know the fact it's also drush something we can learn out from it something we can understand from it and he learns out as follows. That um, there's a Mishnah in Pirkei Avos that says as follows. Omer, You should run into a small mitzvah, a small commandment, just like a big one. And he says he has a problem with the word ruts, to run. Why can't it say, Well, run. Well specifically to say do a mitzvah kala, just like the heart ruts the mitzvah kala, run to it, or well, you should have reasons to do you should have zeal to do it, So say. Have a osa, mitzvah kala, do a mitzvah. Well you do mitzvah properly, you do it with zeal, you do it with, with you know swiftness. Why well, say rutz, And not only that, it also sounds like why mitzvah kala over a chamura? You know, why why not, you know, mitzvah chamura, kibbeh kala, what are we talking about? You know, small mitzvahs, big mitzvahs, we're, we're putting them in categories. Why are you putting them in categories? They're all mitzvahs. So, what as I should say, according to this logic, That's it. You should do a mitzvah. So what's this wording of, You should run for a, mitzvah, a small mitzvah. And he explains a very long piece, but I'll, I'll, I'll do my best to um, summarize. He says as follows. And uh, I think this will help us understand how we could prepare ourselves. He says as follows He says, when a mitzvah comes to you, then, comes right away. You have an opportunity to do a mitzvah. So the Yitzhahara, who is being referred to as a in this case, the Yitzhahara will come and do as much as he can. To convince you otherwise. I'll read some of his words. He says, you know, the when you want to give charity. Oh mitzvah, ba He comes to you. Shei He comes, he's the doubter in your head. He's the She's the he's the person denying you the satisfaction of the mitzvah, saying, No, you can't do it. How many times does it happen? I, for me, always. You know, I'm about to do a mitzvah. And, you know, Can I really do it? Should I do it? I don't know. Let me talk it over with my wife. Let me think about it. Let me talk with this person. Let me ask advice. Uh, dude, you have a mitzvah in front of you, choose to do it or not. Now, obviously, there are times when we, we shouldn't jump into it. We should think about it. But I think what, what he's telling us is that when you have a mitzvah, when you have a mitzvah, it, the re, what Benazai means... Is that mitzvah kala an easy mitzvah that comes to you right then and there? If you don't rush, if you don't run to do it, you're not going to do it. There's, you're going to push off. It's going to be it's going to be procrastinated. Nah, no, I don't have to. You know, huh? You know, I'm procrastinating calling Geico to fix my car because I don't like the whole uh, back and forth and arguing with them on the phone. But uh, you know, <laughs> that's not a mitzvah. You, know, you have a mitzvah, procrastinating to do it, you're not going to end up doing it. I have to, I have to get it fixed. But but, but a mitzvah, when something comes in front of you to do, if you're going to say, no, I'm not going to do it, and you're going to go, oh, no, sorry, not even say you want to do the mitzvah, it's right there, you could do it easily. It's easy for you to do? Oh, I don't know, let me think about it. That is the Yitzhahara. That is what the puzzle is telling us, that, hinting to this idea in the Torah, that I that a mother will come to you, and you are tired and weary. And it will come and pour on you, it will come and bring you down. No, you don't have to do it. And that is what Benazai means. Mitzvah Kala, Ratzl Mitzvah Kala. You shall run to a mitzvah, a small mitzvah. And with that, I think we can go back to what we were discussing before. How do we make sure that we don't have this midah, this character trait in us? You know, when we see someone suffering we see someone, you know, like Amon who saw the Israel Yisrael coming out of servitude and didn't jump to assist them I can't I can't imagine that, what, what it was like to see hundreds of thousands of people leaving, years and years of servitude and in the desert and you're a full country watching this from a distance and you don't offer any support you know, it doesn't seem like so nice but that Midah that's there how do we get rid of it and if some of us might have it or you know we always sometimes we're just we're spectators we don't want to help like I was driving down the New Jersey turnpike um towards my house um and, and uh I saw on the side of the road scariest thing there was a car in flames like, mom, like really in flames and um the, the driver and the passenger ran were running out they were running down the, down the street to make down the road to make sure that you know they don't get hurt and I was thinking the whole time should I pull over should I pull over to help them should I pull over to help them you know I didn't but maybe because also I didn't because I was in the other side of the turnpike I was in the inside of the turnpike I couldn't pull but what if you know there's times when we, we see something that we could do something with. And we don't because we we rationalize it in our heads, no, they don't need me, I don't need to go, I don't need to do it um then when we rationalize, then things start falling into then we just don't do it, and you want to know how to save ourselves from falling into that category of someone who just has this media they they just don't want to help people. The answer is that we have to we have to accept, instead instill a attitude of to run to do a mitzvah, to just say, hey, I'm going to do it. Now, obviously, not always, because sometimes it's not the right time. There has to be appropriate time for everything. But if it's something that you could do, and you realize you're just procrastinating because, ah, you know, and well, they want to, then you know that's the Itzahara, and then you know that it's time to step up, show up, and do it. I want to end off with a story that I read. You know, we just unpacked, you know, we've been living in our new house for about a year already. And, um, you know, we had boxes of books of Svarim. I like I like to collect Svarim. Not necessarily collect, but I like to have Svarim. Not sure why. There's always a base my around me with plenty of Svarim. I don't know why. I, I, I like to have my own Svarim, my own books. And um, I have about six boxes of books in the garage. And there wasn't enough room on our bookshelves to put them. So our neighbor moved to, to Eretz, made Aliyah to Eretz Yisrael, and the one thing that they asked us if we wanted was a bookshelf, so I grabbed it. We took the bookshelf, we put it in our in our, in our living room, our dining room, and I start and I took the box out. My wife unpacked the boxes, and I was rifling some of the books, and I found a book, and a, a storybook that I got many years ago, different stories. And I was just leafing through the book, and I found this story, and I want to share this story. I think it's, you know, by short to share this story. The story is as follows. There's a... a um, set over by Rav Bensim Klatsko. Um, and it's about his brother, Rev Gavriel Klatsko. And his brother was walking, um, although Lashalom passed away, but he was a Rav in South Africa. He did Kirov, he, he did outreach. Um, and he was walking with his other brother in a South African mall, I think, what the story goes. I don't have it in front of me, but I think that's what the story goes. And his brother said to him, he said, how, how do you do it? You know, you, you, you bring people so close to Hashem, you bring so close to God. How, how do you do it? Like, how do you just go, you know, you just go over and, and, you know, just, oh, are you Jewish? Are you Jewish? That's hard. He goes, ah, that's very easy. Watch. He says, watch, watch me. So he goes into a music store. He sits down by, he asks the, the person behind the counter, can I play the drums? He goes, oh, could you play? Uh, sort of. Well, really, he was a very good drummer. So he sits in front of the drums, and he starts playing drums. And he puts on a show, you know, like one of those you know, street performers. And slowly, people start gathering around, you know, as as in a mall or an area where people were. They start gathering around, watching him play drums. And he has a nice big crowd over there, and he keeps playing and playing and playing. Finally, with the last... He stops. He stands up. Hi, my name is Rev. Gabriel Klatsko. You know, uh, anyone here Jewish? (laughs) You know, (laughs) random question. And uh, a few people raised their hand. I don't know, 10 people raised their hand. And he takes out of his pocket, you just won. He says, you just won a free Shabbos dinner. And starts handing out cards and say on it, you have just won a free Shabbos dinner. To all the people around him. To all the Jews who raised their hand. And I don't know how many people ended up coming to his house for Shabbos. That's not the important thing the important thing is that he, he took the initiative how many of us can actually do that? now, <laughs> don't start doing that especially in New York get yourself in trouble but uh, if that's something you want to do then well, I'm, what I'm advocating for is not to do that It's a special man who did special things unfortunately he, we, we lost him. Um, but but if you want to know the key to success in Torah and mitzvot it's to it's to run to it to do it, you know, you know. We start pushing it off and pushing it off and pushing it off. You know, it might not happen. I had the zechut. Um, we'll end off with this. I know we said we end off with that story. I'll tell you one more. My grandmother, Allah Shalom, passed away last year. And you know, I, I was talking to my mother on the phone. At um, night, and she mentioned, "Yeah, hey, no, I have to go. I have to go. Where, where are you going?" But Bobby, Bobby's not doing so well. I Have to go. My, I'm taking Tati to see Bobby, my father, to see his mother. So you know, taking the initiative, I quickly got into my car, drove over to their house, and met them before they got into the car. Said, "I want to come," and I, I got to, to to you know visit my grandmother, and unfortunately. Um, that was her, her last night, and I got to spend some time with her and talk to her, and you know hold her hand and it something that was so important to me to do and, and because I, I didn't push it off, ah oh, she 's okay, I'll visit her tomorrow. it's ten o'clock at night. what's the big deal? No, but I, I pushed myself to do it, and it was one of the spe- most special, most cherished moments of you know my adult life that I was able to you know speak to, and I mean we told my grandmother that we were expecting a baby. she was so happy. She gave me a bracha, which is from a Holocaust survivor, so amazing. Um, I think, but I think the lesson, let's go back to what we're discussing, I think the lesson is as follows. If we want to know how to improve ourselves, especially in Middot, we can't keep pushing it off. And it's a lesson for me, because I, I need it more than anything. And I think that ties into our first Devar Torah, with you know how to have an open marriage, and you know a marriage of communication. If we keep pushing it off, Oh, it's okay, it's not so bad, then then yeah, it will fall apart. But if we jump on it, rutz limits for You know, when the eight zah comes to us when we're vulnerable and says, Nah, you don't have to no no now I'm gonna do it. And if with that, hopefully we could bring Shalom and peace and harmony and love to our lives and to all of Klai Israel. Have a wonderful Shabbos. Good evening.